Hello and welcome into another edition of West of Everest. I am Lee Benson, joined here momentarily by my brother Grant. And you may have noticed no opening take today. Grant and I just got done watching the college football playoff reveal. And so we do know now for sure that Oklahoma is once again in the college football playoff. The Sooners, the number four seed after a big Saturday, Oklahoma taking on LSU, the number one seed in the Peach Bowl. And so right off the bat, I'll bring in Grant. First of all, Grant, uh, you know, a, a crazy uh, Saturday, a crazy OU Baylor game. Again, we're going to break down the entire game in chron- chronological order yet again, like we did with Bedlam last week. You and I have already both rewatched it. And by the way, the reason why there's no opening take is because I spent all of my time the last, it really took me about four hours, to be honest with you, to, to watch it back and take notes, doing the rewatch because I wanted to have good solid thoughts on that as opposed to putting together my thoughts for a take we'll have plenty of time in the next three weeks for me to kind of really think more about the situation for Oklahoma and this season and come up with some interesting thoughts but uh, that's why there's no opening take a solid rewatch and I know you've rewatched the game as well Grant you have notes as well so I'll bring you in first of all how's it going and Oklahoma is back in the playoffs so I'm assuming you're doing pretty well yeah it's a happy day of course and I and I think um with the reveal this morning that they're in the playoff, and really we knew that after uh, after Georgia lost last night, basically what, like at halftime of that game yesterday when it looked like Georgia was pre- pretty much had no chance, looked like OU was going to be in, and really uh, this is a, a successful season at the end of the day. A totally successful season. I think everything past this point is gravy. That's a fair take to have, and you think back to, I think it was the second playoff rankings. It was either the second or the third after Oklahoma beat Iowa State by one point, I believe the Sooners were ranked number 10 in the playoff rankings. And you fast forward to the final rankings, and Oklahoma is number four. So they move up six spots in the matter of however many games that is. Baylor, three, about three or four games. Four games, I think. Three or – yeah, it doesn't – whatever, it doesn't matter. And I am going to do it. I'm going to go ahead and pat myself on the back like I've been saying – over and over and over again, the only playoff rankings that matter are the ones that came out today as we record on Sunday. That's all that matters. And Oklahoma knew that it just needed to keep on winning and things will take care of itself. And sure, a lot of things had to go Oklahoma's way, likely for this to happen, but it did. And it worked out for Oklahoma. It all started on Friday night when Utah got its doors blown off by Oregon and it continued into Saturday when Oklahoma took care of business against Baylor, and it was a needlessly stressful game, Grant, because for the most part, Oklahoma looked like it was in control until, once again, the Sooners shot himself in the foot, and we'll get there as we move on in this podcasting and start with the game notes, but uh, I will pause and let you uh, congratulate me on all of my playoff takes throughout the last five weeks or so, because I'm sure that's what's coming next. Well, I mean, I don't want to congratulate you anymore, but no, you were right. You were right. Good job. Um, and the thing that I like, what's up with the, uh, have you, I don't know how much TV you've watched or, you know, in the aftermath of everything, but everyone talking about how like, man, all of the stuff that had to go OU's way to get in the end, kind of as it played out, did any of it seem like that much of a surprise? Really? It kind of felt like it just sort of all just neatly happened and almost like that was always what was going to happen. It did kind of feel that way. You're right. And there's a lot of Oklahoma fans out there that I know 
are spoiled. I mean, we're spoiled. Let's be honest. We're spoiled. We're kind of, uh, as people who follow Oklahoma football and are spores of the team, the Sooners have certainly solidified themselves as that just outside the elite team, whereas Oklahoma has been there. Oklahoma is getting there. It's just the Sooners have not been able to get over the hump since 2000 when beating Florida State. So it's been damn near 20 years. And so it's frustrating a lot of the times because Big 12 titles, whatever, we want national titles. But I think you did a good job recently really laying out the last podcast, I think it was, just saying, hey, let's appreciate another Big 12 championship game and now a Big 12 championship win. That's a good point. But the reason I bring this all up, what the what was the point I was getting at? Um, oh, yeah, you mentioned that it all kind of worked out for Oklahoma, and it, it did. And it's a terrible take if you're an Oklahoma fan or supporter and you get mad about Oklahoma potentially getting screwed over or – Oklahoma does not get breaks because let's be real folks Oklahoma gets uh, its share of breaks gets its share of good luck and everything worked out the way it needed to work out for Oklahoma the Sooners kept winning and they even got a mulligan when Oregon lost to Arizona State when Oklahoma barely beat TCU or at least on the scoreboard it wasn't good and the Sooners still got help again from Arizona State was went out beat Oklahoma State pretty handily and then took care of business after Utah was dominated by Oregon and uh, let's let's put it this way. It would have been interesting if Utah, let's say, comes back and beats Oregon by a touchdown, Grant. I don't know if Oklahoma's in the playoff today if, or if Utah ends up winning that game because a seven-point win over Baylor, even though Oklahoma, you could argue, dominated a lot of that game on the scoreboard. It was another close game, and I know Baylor was a really good team, but I don't know. If Utah wins and that game against Baylor plays out the same way, I'm not sure Oklahoma's in the playoff today. What do you think? No, I don't. I, I think you're. That's probably right. I think Utah probably does get in in that scenario because really, what did Oklahoma look like on Saturday? They looked like the exact same team we've seen in all of November and yeah. at the end of October, uh, uh, where play by play, when you actually just kind of look at the mi- under the microscope, play by play, they clearly look like the vastly superior team. But just for whatever reason, they just can't put their foot on the throat of their opponent, or they have stretches of just of deep incompetence. Um, or turning it over and they let their opponents back into the game. It's just been kind of the same story the entire uh, the entire month. They play down to their competition in, in certain moments because a lot of the time, if you just go and you review large portions of these games that they've struggled in, there's large portions that they've completely dominated and they just haven't been able to put it all together. It's been weird. All right, and I think you, again, to go back to the point you made a little bit ago, uh, this is a successful season. Oh, this Oklahoma football team reaching the playoff, especially the way that Kansas State game went now um, six weeks or so ago, that's an incredible accomplishment, and it's not been pretty, but Oklahoma is taking care of business. It was another successful championship November, moving into the Big 12 title game in December, and Oklahoma has already been established as a double-digit underdog to LSU. That's not surprising at all. I looked up before we came on. It opened as a 10.5-point LSU favorite on Bookmaker, uh, a uh, offshore betting site. And I tweeted that out, and I went back and looked. About two minutes later, it had already gone up to 11.5. 
So that line's going to keep moving up. I would not be surprised if it gets to 14. That was the number where Oklahoma was a dog last year against Alabama, and the Orange Bowl, I believe, was 14 or 14 and a half. Maybe it got down to 13 and a half. I don't know. But uh, Oklahoma's not going to be expected at all to beat LSU. I think let's wait until the very end of the show. Maybe we'll give our quick thoughts on the matchup between LSU. I know you have a little bit more thoughts than I do at this point. But uh, I think you're right about that, though. Just to wrap it up here, this portion of the podcast, good point by you. This is a successful season, no matter really what happens in the Peach Bowl against LSU. Any yeah, other thoughts just, before you move just, on? Okay, go ahead. I just want to say, yeah, just kind of think about everything that could have gone against them this year, uh, breaking in four new starters on the offensive line, and they really weren't ever healthy this year on the offensive line, so they couldn't develop that continuity. Uh, a brand new starter at quarterback who had no more than six months to learn the offense and, uh, you know, for the first time in his career was kind of given agency to make plays and whatnot. And sometimes that worked and sometimes that didn't. A new defensive coordinator having to turn around or tasked with turning around, you know, the, the team that finished, what, 114th in total defense the year before, something like that. And then overcoming that one loss in Manhattan. Just a, a great season. And not only that, uh, over the course of the season, it became increasingly clear that they did not have the same dr- uh, drop-back passing game. Um, so they won the Big 12 in a completely unconventional way. They totally changed up their identity in the end of the season, and they still won the conference. And that's just a hell of an accomplishment. It's just a, a good season, a great season, even. All right, so let's do what we did last week for the Bedlam game. And I've heard at least one piece of feedback that uh, from a listener that this is a, a cool way of going through it because you know what you're going to get from this podcast. It's not going to be a quick kind of talk radio type stuff. We're going to go uh, in greedy detail in the game because I think that's that's how Grant and I watch these games. That's how we like to talk about football. And that's how I like to break these games down is to go through, watch every single play. If something stands out to me, I take a note. I put it down in my notes. And I think I mentioned at the start of the podcast, it took me uh, – I started rewatching the first half – after I got off work Saturday night around 11.30, I went home at about 2. So that's, what is that, two and a half hours? So that was only the first half. I woke up at about 8.30 this morning on Sunday, watched the rest of the game, and honestly, I didn't get through the entire game. I got up to the point where Baylor kicked a tying field goal late in the fourth quarter, and then this playoff selection show came on, and we wanted to get this this podcast rolling here in the day uh and obviously nfl football is going on so we want to get done and, and watch some of that as well too but point being no opening take today but i put about five solid hours into rewatching this game and taking notes and i know you've put some time into. i'm so, so sorry that you had to watch that game for five hours <laughs> i appreciate that i appreciate that and i there is at least three different plays that Obviously, at the time, I was annoyed about, but after rewatching, I am just uh, maddening, and they're all on defense for the most part, even though the defense played really well. So, Man, I, didn't I tell you that game would be just a drag-out, just brawl, just knuckle-fisted brawl, man? That's what it was, and it wasn't was, it? And it was, and I'm just going to say this right now. You were right. It was a close game. Everyone else, for the most part, was right about this being a close game. But you got to thank Jalen Hurts for that because those two turnovers are the reason why I think this game was close. Take those away, and I think Baylor's dead by halftime. I priced Oklahoma. that into my prediction. Yeah, I think okay. I think it's, it's to fair. the point now where you got to kind of got to expect that a little bit. That's fair. I saw the clean game against Oklahoma State, and I thought maybe he was past it. Uh, clearly, the defensive uh, differences between OSU and Baylor are significant, and that's that's fair. You know what? I didn't price that in 
properly and it uh, it burned me. All right, let's go. Let's start from the beginning of the game. And Oklahoma gets the football first. Sooners go three and out. Not great. It's never ideal when you receive the opening kickoff and you don't pick up a first down. And then Oklahoma's defense comes on the field, Grant, and you see Baylor's first play from scrimmage. And they run a variation of the GT counterplay that uh, Oklahoma likes to run. But this one's a little bit different. They have the up back, who's a tight end, pulling around with the guard instead of the guard tackle. And you see Lovett, the running back, picking up a first down. And you think, oh, no, this is not starting well for Oklahoma. Baylor's got some early momentum. Then, instead of trying another run play after or gashing Oklahoma on the ground in the first, first play of the game, Baylor calls a bizarre max protect pass play where the Bears have only two players run routes and they have eight players staying in to block for Charlie Brewer. And it doesn't matter they have eight players in because Ronnie Perkins beats an inside block, gets to Brewer first, and then Nick Benito cleans up the sack. And the max protect play is is just is nothing that works well. It backfires tremendously. And neither of the two routes that were run by wide receivers were, were close to being open because the Sooners had three players in the secondary in the vicinity of it covering two players. And Oklahoma gets a sack. It brings up a second down and 17. And it was like, okay, well, that's a – after a, a kind of an ominous first four plays or five plays of the game, okay, Oklahoma's defense looks good. So what were you thinking when that happened? Well, I mean, I was just happy that they put that I, that they made a play after, you know, the very first play of the game. Um, I don't know, Lee, when I rewatched it, that uh, that very first play of the game where they kind of ran that little guard tackle counter, that was the only time in the game that they had success with that play because they went back to it and it just didn't work. Yeah, and they didn't run it that much. Uh, but yeah, that was the only time all game where where they had success with that that play. And and also the just the, uh, the, the sack afterwards, that sets the tone for the game. I mean, that's a constant theme the rest of the game. OU sure. just constantly winning up front. Not even winning, dominating up front. And uh, the next play started an, was the beginning of another constant, and that was Kenneth Murray. And he makes the first good play of the game for him on second down. He tackles Ebner right after he catches the ball over the middle. It's a short gain. And then the next play on third down, Kenneth Murray makes another tackle when Charlie Brewer checks down on third down. Oklahoma gives up that first down on the first play, but then after that, three plays and a punt. And again, it, it, it was a tone setting opening drive for Kenneth Murray, who, as we'll talk throughout this entire podcast, you and I both agree and probably a lot of other people, that was his best game at the University of Oklahoma. He was fantastic on Saturday. He was unbelievable. Looked looked like every bit of a first round draft pick in that game. Just a a heat seeking missile. The uh, it, we'll talk about it when we get there, but his sack on on Charlie Brewer was just an exceptional football play. I can't wait to talk about that one. So let's move on to the first play of Oklahoma's second drive of the game. And this is an RPO, and it's an out route to C.D. Lamb. And first, C.D. is able to make the corner, I believe, a rally. Is it? I don't know if it's Tejada or Tejada, uh, that corner. He's a pretty solid player, one of the better corners in the Big 12, at least I know coming into the year. PFF really liked him. So he makes this guy miss. And then the best part of this play, I thought, was Lamb, he gets by the corner. He makes that first guy miss. He's got two other defensive backs barreling down on him, and then they slow up. They slow up because CeeDee Lamb is giving a bit of a stutter step, like he's going to cut back inside. And then 
CD just accelerates up the sidelines past both of the players, breaks another tackle, and then he's finally caught from behind inside the 10-yard line. And it was really a shame he didn't score in the play because Oklahoma had blockers out in front. But, uh, you know, but, but back to the best part, though, and this is why I thought it was the best part. Opposing defensive backs are so afraid right now of C.D. Lamb's run after the catchability that instead of just using the sideline as an extra defender and just sprinting towards C.D. Lamb and, and pushing him out of bounds and, make, and using the sideline again as an extra defender, they slowed up because they were afraid that he would cut back inside and then burn them on the inside, which I thought was absolutely unreal. And this is, should have been – it should have been a 10-yard gain at best – but CD turned it into a, a massive explosive play that set up the Sooners' first touchdown. Grant, what did you think of that play? That's just your it's just your studs making plays is what that was. That's that's all it was. That's the difference between CD Lamb and just another guy. So that that mm-hmm. little play, that little hitch that they run, that's that's kind of turned into a bit of a weapon for them. If it's open, like in a playoff scenario, they need to go to that every single time. If they if LSU has given it to them. Later in the drive, Kennedy Brooks scores from six yards out on a perfectly blocked inside zone run. And just to explain this a little bit, Oklahoma had six blockers up front, and one of those blockers was Jeremiah Hall as the H-back. Baylor had six players in the box. CeeDee Lamb motions. He gets the attention of the Sam backer on the edge just enough to kind of pull him away from the play. And so then it turned into a six-on-five opportunity for Oklahoma. Every single, <clears throat> excuse me, Every single offensive lineman was a hat on a hat. Big old hole opened up for, for Kennedy Brooks, and just like that, Oklahoma's up 7 nothing. And I think that was a start of a theme, too, because Oklahoma did have some success quite a bit, I thought, on zone inside zone runs whenever they had numbers against Baylor. It just, in certain opportunities, certain times, they didn't have the numbers, and Baylor was able to stop it. But that was a good, obviously, uh, cap to the second drive of the game for OU. So Oklahoma gets uh, their defense back on the field. It's first down and 15 after a false start penalty. And you see Baylor run an outside zone to the field side with tight splits. And Oklahoma has all of its DBs up at the line of scrimmage. Another theme of that game, aggressive, playing tight coverage. You see Brendan Radley-Hiles immediately defeat his block. Just get him off the block. Parnell Motley does the same thing. Motley then sets the edge, which forces the running back to turn back inside. And you see Motley get a piece of the tackle. Nick Benito comes in from the backside, cleans it up. It's a one-yard loss. And after the penalty, Oklahoma has, has gets a TFL. And uh, let's start about talk about Parnell Motley real quick, Grant. You texted me. Uh, I haven't looked at the stats. You said he didn't have a stat. Did he not get a tackle recorded for that one? No, he. Well, so they this the box score was incorrect because on my rewatch he did have one tackle. Okay. Um, actually, no, he didn't because that was called back on a penalty. So yeah, he didn't have a tackle. Because I mean, he had th- that was a tackle on that play. He grabbed the running back and then. Oh Benito. yeah, yeah I know what you're Benito talking. He wasn't in. He wasn't credited with one though. So yeah, maybe they just gave it to Benito. So uh, good but game. Yeah, he for, made the play on there because he kept contained and made the play. Uh, yes, and we're not going to talk about Parnell Motley a lot on this podcast because he didn't show up a lot in the game because I don't think receivers were targeted anywhere near him at all. Only once it was uh, it was in the fourth quarter on an RPO in which uh, Baylor was called for a illegal man downfield. Only time he was targeted the entire game. And that was a good call. The the line oh, yeah, was the guy way was down like, field. That was like yeah. seven yards upfield. So after that play, it's second down and 16. Nick Benito swims inside the left tackle. He forces Charlie Brewer out of the pocket. It looks like Brewer's got some room to run because Benito, he was the edge player there. He was the last guy on the edge. But then all of a sudden, flying into your picture, you see Kenneth Murray just out of nowhere forcing Charlie Brewer out of bounds for just a one-yard gain. And... 
the quarterback run game for the most part in this in this contest was nowhere to be found for Baylor Grant after Charlie Brewer had so much success in it in the first half the first time around. <laughs> that was uh, and, and, and that's, that's a, yeah. and yeah they they continued you know they shut it down in the second half of that game earlier in, in November and yeah they they came in with the exact same principles this time around they were not letting Brewer get into those lanes that that were vacated. I mean, it's a great job. The, the the defense played outside of four games was, or outside of four plays, really for the most part, it was utterly dominant, as dominant as as we've seen an Oklahoma defense in a really long time. I do have some thoughts though on those plays. Let me tell you, my God. Uh, uh, so yeah, Murray's play he, he forces Brewer out after a one yard gain. It's third down and long. Oklahoma comes up. They play a press two man concept. You see Murray spying Charlie Brewer, and. Brewer, uh, let's see, hold on, what does my notes say? Would have taken in a, okay, yeah, okay, so this is one wherever uh, Brewer gets, gets gets pressured out to the right. I believe Ronnie Perkins gets some pressure on, forces him out. It would have taken a really good throw by Brewer here to hit the out route. Uh, Jaden Davis was covering, and it, but it was incomplete, and Oklahoma, boom, three and out, and the defense continues to play well. Uh, on the punt, CD, remember CD muffs this punt, but thankfully he recovers, so some disaster averted there. So Oklahoma takes over, and you see a second down chunk run from Kennedy Brooks. Then they go a little tempo here. You see Hertz rolling out to the field side, hits Lamb up the field. And it looks like at this point that OU's just kind of one step ahead of Baylor. And then he gets the first down and 10. And you see James Lockhart beat Proctor, and there's no gain. And then on second down, you see the fade route to Charleston Rambo, which is incomplete, which I like the idea of it. It just it, he couldn't stay in bounds. And just like that, after Oklahoma was moving the ball pretty well, it's third down and long. And once again, you see Lockhart beating Proctor. And this time he rips underneath. He sacks Jalen Hurts along with Bravey and Roy, who beat uh, who beat a double team by Tyrese Robinson and Creed Humphrey. And it was going well for Oklahoma, but it's not great for the Oklahoma offensive line on that, those particular plays. Oklahoma State could not get to Oklahoma with three rushers, but that's what Baylor does. That's how Baylor's defense, a big reason why Baylor's defense is so good, and here it works, and so Baylor's able to hold Oklahoma to just three points as Burkich lines up, and like Burkich does, hits a field goal, Grant. So what do you think about that series, if anything? Just like, you know, it's a theme since the end of October, as soon as OU looks like they're about to completely take control, and by that point, it's looking like, man, if OU goes up 14 to nothing, maybe the route is on. What, what happens? Baylor makes a play or either OU makes a mistake. That's just been kind of the theme for the last month and a half. And after the Burkage field goal, there's a mistake. Marquise Hayes gets called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty for shoving a guy after the play. It seemed kind of soft, but you can't shove people after plays. So that helps out Baylor's field position on the kickoff. And the Bears begin at their own 47-yard line, so the defense holds Oklahoma to a field goal, and then a penalty helps Baylor get really good field position. And it's the first time we see Brewer run a true design quarterback run, and what a shot. Kenneth Murray is there, and he makes the play for only two yards. So Meets him in the hole, diagnoses the exact lane he's going into, and just meets him right there. And so after a short gain on first down, you mentioned it earlier that Baylor went back to that GT kind of counter concept. It's it's not the same thing Oklahoma runs, but they run the same exact play from the first snap of the game that got them a first down. And this time, Pat Fields reads his keys, 
just burst into the alley from his free safety spot, gets a TFL on Lovett, and it was just a fantastic play, great run support by your safety. And if he wasn't there, I think Kenneth Murray, he was in the vicinity as well, and Parnell Motley was there too on the edge to prevent a big play. But uh, it would have been you know for no game, but instead Motley gets a tackle for loss, loss of two. And I just – bonus points anytime you're a defensive back and you provide great run support because we have not seen much of that at all the last few years. And I've been kind of okay with that because I want Oklahoma to play better pass defense. If you can mix both – play good pass defense obviously with some good run support that makes you a really good upper level college football defensive back and and so that was a great play best game the safeties have played all season long in terms of the run game I thought yeah yeah that's a fair way yeah that's fair because we'll and we'll, we'll get to it too because later in the game DTY started making plays behind the line of scrimmage too and so Oklahoma once again forces a third down and long they play press two man yet again at least they show it uh, like the last time, but instead the Sooners end up blitzing DTY from the field side and they play man on the field side and they play cover three on the boundary. So a uh, bit of a wrinkle there. Uh, you see DTY just run over the running back who's trying to block him and that forces Brewer out of the pocket. Uh, he's got a chance to hit Thornton, but there's Trey, <clears throat> Trey Brown is there on in man coverage for the PBU uh, or to knock it away. And it's back to back three and outs for Oklahoma's defense. Uh, and I, the best part of that play, I thought, was was uh, DTY just running over the back and continuing on and forcing Brewer out of the pocket and being uncomfortable. That was kind of cool. Yeah, showing uh, some power. DTY kind of showing um, that physicality that he showed on his high school tape that I love so much. Exactly. And that's not that's not surprising considering that he's getting more comfortable, more reps. So the next drive for Oklahoma, I thought, was a pretty big missed opportunity on second down and eight. You see Braden Willis leaking out into the flat. They get a nice chunk play there to get a first down. But after a couple of nothing plays, it's third and long, and the Sooners catch Baylor in man coverage. They give it to Kennedy Brooks, and it's blocked up really nicely with the defensive backs with their backs turned because they're in man. Kennedy gets the first down, but the problem was Marquise Hayes is called for holding. You probably could have gotten R.J. Proctor for holding as well, and it's just poor technique by the offensive line, I thought. And I'm not an offensive line expert, so don't get me wrong, but just the way it looked, I mean, you see Hayes bear-hugging his guy. Didn't need to do that the way the play was blocked up, I thought. You see Proctor hook Lockhart. Didn't need to do that either because there's a huge hole there anyways because Proctor uh, Lockhart was going upfield away from the play. Uh, so that was a, a holding penalty, brings that back, and then Creed false starts. Brings up third and long, and Oklahoma just basically hands the ball off and punts. Just after getting that play to Braden Willis and getting decent field position, it's a missed opportunity again, up 10 nothing. And Oklahoma was lucky, too, to get out of there because Reed Munchow almost got his punt blocked uh, to begin the second quarter. So Oklahoma pretty fortunate to, to not get a punt block there and puts their defense back on the field. So that was just – I thought that was a pretty, miss, pretty big missed opportunity for the offense on that series, too. The theme continues. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what? It, it, it sort of popped up last year, too, whenever the defense would get a stop when they when they absolutely needed one or when they would play well. It seems like it seems like that was the only time the offense ever stalled out last season. And then this year, they just they can't separate. The offense is struggling this season to play complimentary football. Mm-hmm. And so this is the next drive where you see Charlie Brewer scrambling up the middle and just blows up Brennan Radley Hiles and that forced Radley Hiles to leave the game and that that looked painful because <laughs> uh, it's just I mean tackling is not it, it hurts man especially whenever uh, you're not the biggest guy in the world it's I don't know if you have any thoughts on that play at all I just wanted to bring I mean, that up boot, yeah he just he just got blown up I, I don't yeah yeah I mean, it at like, least, I mean it was like a car crash 
at least he didn't just like kind of fly and dive at Charlie Brewer and miss a tackle completely. At least he took him on head on and and tried to tackle him. So a little bit of progress there. The very next play, though, I, I have all caps. So this was a big play. It was second down and three. And Kenneth Murray absolutely just destroys any chance of this play working. He explodes through the A-gap, through all the trash, all the garbage, and just wraps up Brewer for a loss. And just something we haven't seen much of, Ken, uh, of Kenneth Murray, honestly, is just phenomenal play recognition in the box, no hesitation. And it just it was more evidence that he is seeing it today. I mean, he is everything is making sense to him. His wheels are not spinning at all up there. That was one of his better plays of the game, too, and he had a lot of them. Remember that one? Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> he had a great game. And they bring in uh, Radley Hiles back on the field for third down. It's third and three after the TFL. And you see Charlie Brewer th- rolls to his right. And then he turns back to his left. I think this might have been the play you were talking about earlier with Kenneth, Mur- uh, Kenneth Murray chasing him down and, and getting the sack. Is this the play you were talking about earlier? Yeah, he had to turn back to his left because Kenneth Murray was was disciplined and kept contained on the edge. And then as soon as Brewer bailed, Murray defeats his block, and then he runs him down. An, an amazing play. Great play by Kenneth Murray. However, saw some uh, bit of a red flag on this play because Charlie Brewer, he's got his tight end running wide open on a corner route when he's rolling to the right. But the thing is, he gives up on it, and that's when he turns back and then gets sacked by Murray. I think this is obviously an example, and this will be a callback to earlier in the this, the entire football season, where Brewer was seeing ghosts out there, Grant. Uh, like Oklahoma was getting after him so much. They're flying around that he the just he wasn't looking downfield, and he didn't see the tight end. If he would have just stayed on him and looked down there, that's probably a touchdown for Baylor. Instead, Oklahoma is in his head. Boom, it's a sack. It's another three and out. Uh, right after the offense missed an opportunity, so the defense picks up the offense again. I mean, that's what pressure does. Yeah. So I, sure. I think I think that's that's a situation where you have to give Oklahoma credit. Sure, sure. Uh, so Oklahoma gets the football back. You get a Kennedy Brooks run for a first down. They go a little up-tempo. And then you see James Lynch. He beats Adrian Ely off the edge. Hertz doesn't feel this at all from the blind side. And then you see Lynch hit Hertz as he's winding up to throw. The ball goes forward, but they rule it a fumble on the field. Kennedy Brooks kind of dives, can't recover it. Baylor recovers it. And the more I watch back the replay in slow motion, the more I think they probably got this call right. But I would have loved to see more than two different angles on the broadcast. And I thought only one angle was somewhat conclusive on the play. And this was just frustrating to me that this play did not get reviewed because it was a turnover and it seemed like a pretty big play in the game. So, again, I, I went back you know, at work. I have the ability to go frame by frame and watch it. And the more I watched it, I, I think they probably got it right. But the fact that that wasn't reviewed and we didn't see more angles was annoying to me. And Oklahoma turns the ball over in minus territory, setting up Baylor in a great spot. And I know that you thought it was an obvious fumble right off the bat, but I just was frustrated that they did not review this play. Now, the more that I, the, when I rewatched it, it I, I wouldn't say it was obvious. In fact, actually, if they would have called it incomplete on the field, they probably wouldn't have been able to overturn it. Um, no, no, my, my, my biggest okay, annoyance with that play is just the highlight of fumble luck. Um, what happens? I mean, Kennedy Brooks is right there to recover it. And then all of a sudden the ball takes a weird freaking bounce and Brooks can't recover it. And then it just, it hops perfectly in Terrell Bernard's lap, um, after that. 
and then and then very uh, what a couple of series later, DTY strips a Baylor player on a punt return, yep. and it yep. and it bounces perfectly through Trey Brown's uh, uh, legs right into the lap of a Baylor player, and that stuff is I just don't know dumb. If, I don't know if there was an OU guy around that fumble. It just it literally went through Trey Brown's legs. I don't think it did. I don't remember that at all. I mean, I I just watched it about an hour ago or two hours ago. Mm, I don't believe you. I was one of. I mean, it's it just a, it's it's not like a it's just a it's a demonstration of fumble luck, and sometimes the ball bounces your way, and sometimes it doesn't. And I just want to highlight that because as we get deeper into the game, and as Baylor starts to make it more of a game, it's absolutely unreal the amount of things that had to go right for Baylor in this game to make it a game. It was okay. insane. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I did just watch it. Yeah, so it does come out, and Brown, yeah, definitely runs. But, like, he doesn't – there's – yeah, that would have been a really tough – because he didn't see it come out. And But I'm just saying, okay. what if but yeah, that, what if okay, it bounces right. and, hit, and hits him in the stomach or something? You're right. Instead of going – and, and like, it would, have, it would have had to bounce up an inch and a half more? Yeah, you're right. No, I'm wrong about that. No, you know, you're right. That, that was – yeah, that was pretty lucky. Yeah. So, yeah, Baylor gets one with the bounce, and OU does not after, yeah, a good strip there on the power return. Okay, yeah, you're right. Um, so you you got a sudden change spot for Oklahoma's defense. It's first and 10 from the Oklahoma 29 and right off the bat DTY rushes in from a safety spot. Uh, the D line controls at the point of attack and you see DTY and Nick Benito get a TFL. Uh, It's just boom, sudden change defense makes a play. Uh, they get Baylor into third and seven and boom, this is a classic Charlie Brewer moment grant because he short hops a deep post and I know when they watched it back after the commercial break, the I can't remember the, the the color commentator said that you know a better throw that's that's a touchdown. I don't know, maybe a better throw eh. might have been picked off by Trey Brown. That was a really really small window. Yeah, I mean he would have had to put a little air underneath it and put it over top of the of Brown who was undercutting the play. Which I mean a, a better throw would have been a touchdown, but uh, if even if he had put it, you know five more yards down the field, I think Trey Brown might have undercut that and picked it off. So uh, I thought Oklahoma's, so too, yeah. I thought yeah. when the ball was in the air, I, I kind of squirmed a little bit because I thought maybe that Brown would be able to pick it off. But I think, Brow- I, I think Brewer actually skipped it to him because he was trying to throw it in a place that only his receiver could catch it. And he just and, missed. And that's not the – it's the second time against OU this year that Brewer has skipped a ball – and the first time was the first game, and Oklahoma got lucky because it, it would have been a touchdown because there was a blown coverage and there was nobody there, but Brewer just skipped the throw. And we've seen him do that in other games too, so I don't – that's weird, man. He's He's got an issue with those deep posts sometimes. So, But give credit to the Oklahoma defense. Three and out, they hold Baylor to three instead of a touchdown, and they, they do its job. And playing in threes. I mean, Alex Grinch has been saying that a lot lately, and, and Oklahoma was able to hold Baylor to a lot of threes on Saturday instead of touchdowns. All right, so next next possession for Oklahoma. Uh, it gets to third and seven for OU, and you see Hurts on a quarterback keeper. I kind of like this play. This is a fun play because he waits on Kennedy Brooks' block, and you see Brooks kind of look back at Hurts, and Hurts is like points out, like, yeah, block that guy. <laughs> and, and he's patient, and Brooks and, and just goes and delivers a big-time blow, and Hurts is able to get the first down. And I, that was a fun, patient play on third down that I liked. Uh, you, I mean, as I talk about this, it probably stands out to you again. You probably thought that was kind of funny too, but nice to move the chains. And in my notes here, I, there's a, a nice gain, I think maybe on the next play, on an outside zone play. At this point in the game, Grant, I don't think I've seen Oklahoma run their bread and butter GT counterplay. 
at this point in the game. They're not running it. And uh, Baylor is selling out against the run. OU gets to the point where it's third and 13. Baylor drops eight, rushes three, as Baylor is wont to do. And this time, Hurts has a little bit of time to throw, but he, he throws too high. This is where he throws too high to Jaden Hazelwood. Would have been a tough catch either way, I think, if he would have thrown a little lower. And Jesus. Hazelwood got smoked, too, on that he play. He did, yeah. Man, uh, it was then, clean, too. I was I actually thought maybe they would review it for targeting, but it was it was totally clean, just a freaking lick. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another procedure penalty, by the way, before the punt, Oklahoma punts. And this is the one where, where DTY forces that fumble, but Baylor gets the recovery, of course. And also, too, this is the moment where we see Charlie Brewer going to the locker room at 6.17 in the second quarter. So you're thinking, oh, Brewer's, okay, where's Brewer? You're like, oh, maybe he's going to the bathroom or something. <laughs> Got a commercial break coming up here. Like, didn't really see, I know, like, they kept showing that, like, hit that he took from Murray, but it didn't look that bad. But all of a sudden, now they go back from commercial, and you see Gary Bohannon in at quarterback. And you think, okay, this is a different quarterback. Brewer's out. And it, it works out okay for them at first. They get a first down. Uh, and then you see Brendan Radley-Hiles, who's back in the game, by the way. He blitzes from the field side, forces Bohannon to check down, and then Kenneth Murray's there to get a TFL yet again. And I like this, Grant, because you, you might as well send pressure at the backup quarterback. Alex Grinch sends some pressure. Radley-Hiles, though, after that play, he leaves the game. He kind of limps off with 4.36 to go in the second quarter. I got my notes. So... Uh, you know, that was a nice play. More Kenneth Murray. You know, if I, you know, you want to cut me off, jump on in. I'm just kind of going through everything I have here. That led to a third and 14. Trey Brown gets a PBU. And this is something that, a theme that came throughout the game, and it worked out well here. Oklahoma kept playing on third and long. Cover two. I'm not a big fan of cover two on third and long, and I'll explain why later because of some other plays that happened. Uh, but Trey Brown does his job here without anybody in the flats. He sinks deeper and deeper like he's supposed to do in cover two, and he's uh, he's there to jump and knock the ball away, get a PBU, as Bohan tries to fit it in behind that that spot behind the corner and in front of the safety in cover two. So Oklahoma gets off the field yet again, Grant, even after giving up a first down. Nice job there. Defense was outstanding in sudden change moments. I mean, they, they, just, they just really were. And even with a new quarterback on the field, yeah, the first down was allowed, but then they were able to settle and get off the field. And the very first play after getting off the field, Grant, very first play, first and 10, own 12-yard line, Hurts throws that awful interception. And there's not much to say about this play. It was terrible. It sets up Baylor first and 10 from the Oklahoma 23-yard line. And so that's two Hurts turnovers in the span of three series, I believe. And they both set Baylor up inside the Sooners 30-yard line. Just brutal. He locked on to Lee Morris, and it threw. I mean, it was so bad. Yeah, I can't. No. Uh, do you have anything to add on that? Okay. There's just I, no defending it. It was a. Got, it was a heinous, heinous turnover. Oh my gosh! It's just, just letting this team in the game who has at this point. I mean, do, do they have 50 yards of total offense yet? I don't. I don't think they do. It's just letting them in the game, putting them in spot, and so. Of course, of course, very first play on first down, you see Neville Gallimore getting in there and sacking Bohannon. <laughs> Oklahoma's defense makes a play. And you see David Ogwebu in there as well. Uh, the ball pops out, but you know, he was down. didn't matter. Uh, there's another yard loss. There's another just game of inches right there. What if the, what if the ball is, starts to go just a little loose, just a split second before he hits the ground? Yeah. Like, I mean, Deshaun White scoops and scores. 
just with the amount of with the amount of plays the Sooners were making behind the line of scrimmage, like just the amount of pressure they were putting on Baylor's defense, they had a lot of passes defended in the game as well. The fact that Baylor did not turn the ball over in this game is a minor miracle. It's insane, man. That Bohannon guy, I had this on my notes probably later, but he was like a he felt like a walking turnover when he was out there. And just he never did. And we'll get to some plays, at least one play that was just like, oh my gosh. So so it's second down and twenty. And I mean, you know things are going really well whenever Kenneth Murray gets a PBU over the middle of the field. I think the last time I saw him knock down a pass in the middle of the field was all the way back at Kansas. Because, you know, that's the thing with him. He's not great in pass coverage. He, he just doesn't feel it very well. And the ball is thrown over the middle, and he gets his hand up and knocks it down, and it sets up a third down and 20. So not only did Oklahoma give Baylor the ball at the 23-yard line, Gallimore and Ogbwebu pushed them back 10 yards to the 33 so if they get a stop here, this is a 50-yard field goal attempt where it looked like Baylor was at least going to be able to get a field goal. It might be out of field goal range. It's third down and 20. You think, this is, this is great. But then Oklahoma plays cover two again on third and 20. And Grant, this is why I hate cover two on third and long. And sit back because this is a rant coming here. You've only got two deep safeties in cover two, which means that they're each responsible for for more ground. They each got to have half of the field. I prefer cover three because you've got one extra person deep and you've got less ground to cover, which means it's less likely that a coverage gets blown from from my experiences. But in this case, it's DTY, it's Pat Fields as the two deep safeties. Deshaun White is playing the middle linebacker in the, the Tampa two cover two. And so that means he's dropping deep down the middle of the field. And it looks like when you watch this back that Deshaun White is the problem with this play because the pass, of course, is thrown and completed behind him. But in actuality, from my perspective, it's DTY who should have played this this play better. And the touchdown is caught by Thornton. And he's right in front of DTY the entirety of the play. And you see Thornton running a deep post, again, right in front of DTY, who, again, is responsible for one deep half of the field. As Thornton starts running into the other deep half of the field, and I, I want to emphasize other, DTY lets Thornton cross his face and then runs up to cover Denzel Mims, who's sitting in a soft spot in the middle of the field. You know, normally that would not be that big of a deal because I'm sure DTY just thought, hey, you know, Pat, Pat Fields, he's got the other deep half, so I'll let I'll let Thornton run into Pat's zone, and so I'll go help elsewhere. All right. I, I get that's probably what he was thinking. However, the problem with this is that Fields didn't see on his side of the field any deep routes in his zone. So he thought that he wasn't like there was nobody coming into his zone deep. And so, like DTY, Fields is like, all right, I'm gonna go help out somewhere else. He started to creep up to cover Denzel Mims. So at this point, you got DTY and Fields both looking at Mims and Fields didn't see Thornton coming from the other side of the formation and so that whole half of the field the deep safety is gone and so Mims yeah Mims was open but you watch this play Bohannon's eyes were never ever locked on to Mims at all he wasn't looking at Mims he was looking at Thornton the entire time and DTY should have seen that. It's third down and long. You're not playing a man. You're playing a zone. Read the quarterback. Be aware. He should have noticed that he was looking down the field at Thornton, and DTY should have picked up Thornton as he continued to run that deep post. But since DTY did not do that, it left Deshaun White in a trail technique 
as the last resort to cover Thornton, and Bohannon actually made a really good throw over top of White for the touchdown. And if this was cover three, you would have had a corner, safety corner, responsible for one-third of the field each deep. And there's no way that Thornton would have been able to get so wide open on that deep post because likely the safety and the corner on that side of the field, if even if one of them would have came up to help on Mims, the other guy would have probably noticed Thornton going deep, like, I got to help out, and there would have been a player over top to get in the way of Thornton and make the play. But instead, Oklahoma ran cover two, didn't play it very disciplined at all, and a third and 20 turned into a touchdown. It's just, as well as the defense was playing, so frustrating. And the game is tied at 10. <sighs> There's the theme popping up again. Just Do when, your job. And, es- and especially in, job. Such a, in such a weird moment, too. Third and 20 with your backup quarterback, who, like you said, looks just like a walking turnover out there. You allow him to to make that play because of a busted coverage and and perhaps because of a of an ill timed defensive call, and uh, Deshaun White actually was almost hero on that play. Yep, he almost was. I mean, he his job again was and he was kind of out of control a little bit. His drop down the middle of the field was kind of awkward. Uh, but yeah, that's just that was so frustrating, and it was even more frustrating when I went back and rewatched it and, and saw the the all twenty two and, and saw the sky cam. So like I understand what the safeties were doing. I get why they were doing it, but they they need to be more aware that you can't let that happen in that situation. And for whatever reason, Alex Grinch thought that cover two and third and long was the right play in this game because he did it all game. And it it just did not work out well on that play, and I think at least one or two plays later in the game. So Oklahoma gets the ball back. It's tied. Uh, you see James Lynch beating Ely. On second down and two, boom, it's a sack. After a big play on first down, uh, you know, makes it second down short, you see Lynch getting a sack, makes it third and nine. Then the next play, you see pressure from Lockhart. Hurts leaves the pocket to his left, has to throw it away. And Oklahoma, after giving up a touchdown, goes three and out. And just, you're like, how is Baylor? Baylor not only is in this game, Baylor has a chance to take the lead before the half. They have the ball. Now they're moving the chains. It's it's first and ten. They've got the ball in plus territory. And then for the first time today, we mentioned Jalen Redmond Grant. He makes a great play to sack the quarterback. He at first is double teamed. Then one blocker kind of departs. He spins away from the double team and makes that tackle. So Jalen Redmond ended up being a huge part of this game. Man, he had a whale of a game. He had a great game. And I know I think uh I think after the game, Grinch said that he dislocated his shoulder numerous times in the game. And he Ugh. just kept he just kept coming back, which is why we saw a lot of Dylan Famatahu in the second half. Mm, okay, and I thought Famatahu played really well. Yeah, I mean, he was he fine. Stepped right up. Yeah. Okay, so after Redmond makes that great play, it makes it third down and eleven, and this is one of the stupidest plays of the game, Grant. So Bohannon, the quarterback, he's rushed. He just throws it up for grabs. The ball is in the air longer than like an infield fly pop up in baseball, and Thornton. Makes the catch because it was such a bad throw. And Oklahoma's DBs were all kind of off-balanced and unprepared because the throw went to a spot that they, they thought there's no way a Division One college quarterback would put the ball there. And it was just such a dumb play. And I wish they would have shown a better replay angle because they didn't show very good angles of it uh, just to kind of see more of an idea of what happened on the play. But just I don't know how else to describe that play, but just really stupid. What a dumb play. Yeah, they it's were a walking turnover, and it ends up being an explosive play. They were playing cover two, right? Yeah, on that side of the field, yes, and I believe Jaden Davis bit on a double move. 
Yeah, but also at the same time, they were like uh, Todd Blackledge, because I think he was the color guy. He was talking about how Jaden Davis was, that was on him because he couldn't find the ball in the air. And I was like, I don't know if that's true. I think he's playing the flats on that play. And it was just, and the, DT- the way he reacted to the route, though, makes me think that it, maybe they were playing like man over top or something. I, that's why I want another replay. I couldn't really get a good feel for what they were playing. But yeah, the reason why DTY couldn't get there is because the pass was so awful. He, he had to kind of change direction really quickly, and he couldn't get there. God, it was such a dumb play. I mean, that gets Baylor into field goal range. And, I mean, luckily Oklahoma's defense, threes, not seven. I mean, they, they saved four points. On second down, DTY makes a really nice play in the end zone to knock a ball down, prevents a touchdown. And then on third down, Oklahoma, OU forces an incomplete pass in the end zone, and uh, you know they hold Baylor to a field goal, but Baylor takes a three-point lead going into half, Grant. I mean, what? I just the way and it, it's all because of Oklahoma. And I'm sorry, it, Jalen Hurts' two turnovers gave Baylor life. And it's this is the point where it's like, if this doesn't happen, and but you know what? You're right. You priced into your your prediction, and it's it's become consistent, and that's what happens. And so now we go in the locker room. Oklahoma uh, doesn't get the ball to start the third quarter. And if things go horribly wrong, Oklahoma could be down by two, t- uh, two scores the next time OU touches the football. But fortunately, Oklahoma's defense played really well. And right off the bat, first play of the second half, immediately DTY diagnoses a wide receiver bubble screen and snuffs it out for a two-yard loss, which now that I read my notes later in the game, that aggressiveness ends up working against DTY. <laughs> as we'll get to later in the game. But a uh, great way to start this third quarter. Uh, on second down and long, uh, you see Murray spying Bohannon. Uh, he gets blocked by two different players. And so this is like one of the few quarterback run things that work because Murray's blocked up. But to your point earlier about the safeties playing really good in run, run coverage and, and run support, both safeties come up, diagnose the play well, and stop Bohannon for a short gain of just three yards. And if those guys would have would have just been kind of backpedaling, playing the pass, it would have been a bigger gain. And that brought up a third down and nine. So, yeah, you're. I mean, the safeties played really well for the most part in this game. Man, you're right. Uh, third down and nine. Uh, you know, this is where Oklahoma. You'd think they'd play. You know, cover two. They show two man, two press man, but then they shift to a one robber technique at the snap with Pat Fields coming into the box as that robber slash. I think he was kind of the robber, but also playing the, the quarterback spy. DTY dropped back deep to play the single high safety in the, the two-man, which actually wasn't two-man. It was just single high man coverage. The Sooners rush four with a slant and a stunt. You see Benito getting inside. He gets held. The flag comes out. You see Gallimore looping around the outside, pressures Bohannon. Bohannon throws it back against the grain, seemingly right to Pat Fields, but the ball is too high and too far away to the field side for, uh, for Fields to make a pick. And this Bohannon guy, once again, a walking turnover that did not turn the ball over. OU just could not get a turnover from him, but they force a three and out. Another, I mean, he throws it back against the grain and like double coverage Grant, and somehow he avoids a turnover. It's crazy. I mean, it's 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 Gosh. absurd at this point. <laughs> and it's more even more absurd because of the last few weeks, Oklahoma has been forcing turnovers. Like they've kind of gotten out of that funk that mental thing where we were basically saying, you know what, they're dropping interceptions. It's their own fault. Now it's like now they're figuring it out and they still can get them. So hopefully it's that's not creeping back into their minds going into the biggest game of the year. 
All right, so Oklahoma gets uh, the ball back, down by three. And this is a nice play by Jalen Hurts on second down and seven. You see Lockhart come hard off the edge. You see Kennedy Brooks picking him up. Hurts steps up, kind of slides to his left, finds Charleston Rambo for 19 yards. And I like this concept coming out of the locker room because it got Rambo into that second level behind the linebackers in front of the safeties. And if you remember in the pregame podcast, I mean, that's a spot you can exploit in the Baylor D. The problem was I just don't know if if Hurts uh, is a, pre a precise enough thrower to do it. And there was very few times where he was able to exploit it. And that was one of them. Uh, this time in the game, Eric Swenson came into the game at right tackle. I guess uh, eight, the broadcast said Adrian Ely was battling a knee injury. I can't remember. Did did Swenson play the rest of the game? Do you know off the top of your yes, head? Yes, he did. He ever Ely did not play the rest of the game. And also at this point in time, uh, Buki is out of the game as well. Okay. Okay. Well. Um, all right. So third and four. Another third down play against this tough Baylor defense. And it's good to see that the diamond formation play action to the running back play is back grant and we haven't seen this in a while me thinks and we're gonna see that a whole lot on december 28th uh, it, it seems to always work you got you got the running back you got brooks behind the quarterback in this case it was stogner to his left to Hertz's left you got Braden willis to his right and you just you sell the run the play action to brooks looks like a run play the backers bite up Stogner Willis blocks but then you leak out Stogner for the easy pass for the first down and you know of course on this play because Baylor I'm not sure outside of the the CD Lamb missed tackle the big CD Lamb play don't think Baylor missed a tackle the rest of the game the Baylor safety comes up and makes an open field tackle which saves a touchdown on that play so of course uh, but good for them that's what they're supposed to do it's really good defense your college you gotta you gotta make those plays and they did Oklahoma kind of gets rolling here Grant you see Ramondre Stevenson burst through on a second down play for 15 yards, gets up into the Baylor 13-yard line, just, just an inside zone play there. And again, I said it earlier in the podcast, when Oklahoma had numbers up front, the Sooners just had no problem running the football. This time, it was even. It was six on six in the box. Each Sooner blocked up their man, hat on a hat. Stevenson had a huge lane to run. And, you know, Baylor plays those three safeties deep, so explosive plays are hard to come by. So instead of a big explosive touchdown, it's just a chunk play, and they make the tackle. And this is where uh, this is where Stevenson kind of started to have like a, a bit of an extra gear. And whenever he had the ball, it was kind of like, ah, whoa, this guy is just kind of on a different level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he did. I mean, him and Kennedy, that's a nice little one-two punch. And after this, this is the first time I saw the GT counter concept for Oklahoma, but it's not your typical GT counter. It's Hurts keeping it for no gain. And then another Hurts keeper for nothing. And then Oklahoma tries to get a little bit of tempo. You see Lamb one-on-one -on -one at the bottom of the screen on third down. Oklahoma calls timeout as the play's happening, and it looks like it's a good timeout because Lamb and Hurts were not on the same page. The ball was thrown as a fade route, and Lamb was running a comeback. So it would seem the timeout was good. But after the timeout, Riley, at this point in the game, you see he clearly does not want to take any chances, so he just runs power with Hurts for five yards and then brings out Burkitts for the field goal to make it 13-13. to And... Here's my notes on this last, and I'll let you comment if you have any. Like th That drive started with a nice completion on a rollout to Charleston Rambo, but the other com uh, completions by Hertz on the drive were just a, a dump off to Brooks, that easy short throw to Stogner. It's pretty clear there's just no confidence in this guy throwing the ball outside the numbers or in the middle of the field, and that was pretty evident with that third down call by Lincoln Riley. Yeah, I mean, that this is very obvious. This is why... 
This is why they've completely changed up their identity in the last month and a half of the season. He knows. Sure, sure. Oklahoma defense plays really well next series. Caleb Kelly diagnoses run, comes up, makes a stop in the hole at the line of scrimmage. And it's the first kind of time since Kelly's came back that I thought, hey, Caleb Kelly, great, nice play. You know, tackle at the line of scrimmage. I did notice at this point, you know, Broyles is in at nickel. So you mentioned Buki earlier. Uh, I'm not sure. You know what? Why not? Like, I thought Radley Howes played well. You know what? I'll call him Buki. It's just easier now. I'll, I'll, I'll drop that bit. He has been playing pretty well. Good for him. It sucks he got hurt. Uh, third down and long. Perkins gets a quick rush off the edge. The pocket collapses. Bohan's got to throw it away. And this is another instance where it's third and long. Oklahoma was playing cover two yet again. Uh, but this time it was Murray as the middle linebacker, not Deshaun White. So it would seem that, like, like I said earlier, the pocket, like this is what Alex Grinch wanted to do for a lot of the game and cover, cover two on third down and long to attack Baylor. That's what he wanted to do for a lot of the time. I don't know. So... This next drive is a great drive for Oklahoma. They go down, they score a touchdown. I know we're kind of getting long. I don't know how much I need to go into this stuff. Um, oh, actually, I do want to talk about this play because this is kind of a fun play. And it's third down and two from their own 34. And you see CD pre-snap motion to the field, uh, from field to the boundary side. And you see Hertz fake quarterback power. You see Ramondre run a wheel route out of the backfield. It's picked up nicely by the corner. But it's almost like that was planned out by Riley because CD is also running a wheel off that pre-stat motion, and CD is wide open, 17 yards. But I really wish Lincoln Riley would have used this play on the far hash so Lamb had a lot more space to operate with and not be running towards the boundary. And Lincoln Riley is a guy that's very aware of which hash the ball is placed. He designs his play calls based on where the ball is on the field. So I know he thinks about this, and he still ran this play, so... I would bet that if I got a chance to ask Riley, hey, what's like, what's the idea behind this? He'd probably have a really smart, simple answer for me as to why he run this play, runs this play towards the boundary. And perhaps I would just become smarter with the answer, but I just don't know yet. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was kind of a fun play, Grant. Did you kind of wish, too, that they would have had more room for CD to operate on that play? Yeah, I was kind of surprised CD actually just kind of gave up on the play, too. But, I mean, that was because he, prob- he probably figured he had nowhere to go. Because, so. yeah, Baylor, they had, they had guys there, and... So uh, the next play after that was another 17-yard gain. They go to Stevenson inside zone, and just more Oklahoma with numbers blocking it up well, just bursting through the hole. Um, and so Oklahoma gets into Baylor territory, moving the ball, and after a couple of unsuccessful run plays, Hertz makes his best play and throw of the day on that touchdown pass to Nick Basquin Grant. Take us through that nice play to Basquin. That and was a shows great one, you, huh? Well, I mean, it was just on that slot fade. And it shows you when Jalen Hurts can diagnose a coverage and know where he's going with the ball, he is capable sometimes of throwing some really beautiful balls. And that's exactly what that was. That throw could not have been any more perfect. Realized the one-on-one. And yeah, he threw the ball before Basquin even turned his head. And Basquin turns the ball, uh, turns around as the ball is kind of coming out. And huge credit to Basquin, man. He sees the ball. He flips his hips to adjust makes a great catch and I mean that's a big time play in a big time game in a big time moment and also this is a nugget you may have seen this it's Basswood's first touchdown since 2016 at I Texas Tech it's been that long at yeah. Texas Tech at Texas Tech um yeah I mean just it is a great play and then actually hurts um hurts makes another really great throw on the very next drive but Braden Willis drops it um man which God, which which really sucked because that was uh, 
And I don't know if we want to jump. Yeah, we don't want to jump to that because the Sooners got another another stop after this. But sure, I mean it's twenty to thirteen. I'm looking at my notes. I know we're getting. I I do kind of want to bring up the the play where Pat Fields tackled Jamichael Hasty by his hair. So that was a nice play by Pat Fields. I mean, I think DTY probably gets Hasty if if he gets by. Uh, yeah, he Fields. had an angle on him. But I mean, it's still. I mean, he gets more yards, and I mean so. Good job by Fields, uh, just kind of going for whatever there. Uh, you know, I, on that same drive, David Obwehu gets a TFL on Hasty right after that play, so they get a nice chunk run play. But then uh, Oklahoma puts them, you know, behind schedule again. Another great play by Kenneth Murray, uh, diagnosing quarterback run, perfectly getting the tackle for loss on Bohan. And this is a play where Murray was shaken up. I think he just got the wind knocked out of him. I think what it was because he yeah, came that's back what I the thought game. too afterwards. And so then you get Oklahoma third and 12, and they're playing cover two again, and I'm not loving the cover two on third and 12, but you know what the key is, Grant, to making cover two work? What's the key to, you know, when you run cover two, what, what do you hope to get out of cover two? Like, what, what's, what's the main way cover two can work? An organic would, pass rush, baby. Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis coming off the edge. Getting there with four. Boom. And what happened? Jalen Redman. He got there. Geez, man, he's kind of coming on a little bit. He had a really good game against TCU. In his snaps in this game, he was, I mean, he was borderline dominant. If I mean, light's kind of starting to come on for him. Light is starting to come on for Nick Benito as well. And he was questionable going into the game. And we were worried he wouldn't play. And he played, and he flashed against Baylor the first time. And he was even better the second time. Yeah, he started, awesome. actually. I'm pretty sure he started the game. Mm-hmm. So... OU gets off the field, up by a touchdown. They get the ball back. I mean, I got way too many notes on this. Pl- I, I got to tell you, this is this is a drive. If you're OU, you got to end the game here. You, you just have yes. to. It is. It's it's borderline unacceptable that they did not score a touchdown on this drive. Yeah, this is the time of the game. I have in my notes where the Sooners can pretty much bury Baylor. They're up by ten points. They can make it a. 17 points. Oh, no, no. They're up by seven points. Sorry. I keep forgetting Baylor had that field goal before the half. So here's the a huge play on this drive. And I got to give credit to Jalen Hurts, Grant. Third down and six. That low snap. He collects the ball. And it it's a huge credit to him. He didn't like instinctively go down to one knee to gather the football. He made sure to stay up because obviously the play's over if he goes down to one knee. Rolls out. You, get, you see some pressure from Lockhart. He doesn't panic. And then you see Kennedy Brooks leaking out. And then, boom, Kennedy Brooks has 20 yards on third down and six. So, I mean, got to give credit where credit's due. Great play by Jalen Hurts. Yeah, he also kept his eyes downfield as he was no-looking, picking up the ball behind him. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then another big play by Jalen Hurts and also a big play by the offensive line. Later in the drive, it's third down and eight. Baylor rushes three. And, you know, Baylor likes to rush three because the Bears know they can get to the quarterback with three. And for the first time, maybe all day, Oklahoma provides Hertz with some nice protection on third down. The rushers don't get home, and Hertz has time to diagnose the play, and he finds C.D. Lamb in the middle of the zone for 17 yards in the first down inside the Baylor 10-yard line. And you think, oh, this is like this is it, right? I mean, bury the ba- bury the Bears. <sighs> and so, I mean, they keep moving the ball. I mean, they run the GT counter concept again, and they're only running it with the quarterback. And I, to me, I think it's because Riley wants that extra blocker. Yeah, that has to be yeah. it. Has to be. And it's because of Baylor's front. They're, they're so good. And 
I noticed this too at this point, and I saw, I saw it a lot throughout the game, but it was confirmed to me. Did you notice what Baylor's plan was in the run game? To me, it looked like what they were always doing. They always had the defensive end crash on the back, but then they'd have a linebacker scraping off the edge in case of a quarterback yep. keeper. Because that's what happened on the next play when uh, when Lynch got Brooks behind. Because typically you would say, if you're, if you're Jalen Hurts, you would see James Lynch chase after Brooks, and you would pull it. But there was exactly. a linebacker right there on the edge for Jalen Hurts. Exactly. So they were uh, – I actually read uh, a Football Outsiders article – about that concept of of defending the zone read that way, and that's how that's how the Patriots defend the zone read, and it's it works obviously. Well, here's the thing though, and it didn't work when the Patriots did it against Lamar Jackson. And here's what I kind of decided on that play: if it was Kyler Murray back there and not Jalen Hurts, I think this strategy would not have worked at all well for the Bears because Murray keeps those and he beats linebackers to the edge all day long, and Murray's outrunning people, but. At this point in the season, Jalen Hurts, he is pretty slow, especially in comparison to a Kyler Murray, and he's not nearly as explosive as he was back in September and October, and he's just kind of lumbering out there, and he's become pretty easy to tackle, it would seem, and that's why him keeping it, there's no way he gets around the edge there. Is that what you've seen from Hurts, too? I mean, he just looks, I don't know if he's shot, but he's just, he's had a lot of carries, it's a late in the year, and it's totally understandable and hopefully these three weeks he can get fresh and be a little bit more explosive for LSU the Colin Klein comparisons are apt I mean I think they're correct uh he's just he's got a little more arm talent than Colin Klein did uh Hmm. but yeah I mean they're pretty much the same guy I mean they this is that's how OU's playing right now and so that next play brings up a third down and this is where you brought up Willis earlier and I mean this is such a nice play call you know they're We've seen this a lot lately, I think. They're trying to scheme up easy throws for Jalen Hurts, and why not scheme up an easy throw on third down and goal? And you see Willis blocking at the line of scrimmage and leaking out up the field. He turns his head inside, but the ball needs to be to the outside, which is where Hurts puts it, and it's a really good throw, and Willis just drops it. And he's been pretty darn reliable for Oklahoma, but, man, this was such a crusher because – this probably kills Baylor. It makes it 27-13, to 13, a two-touchdown game. Instead, Burkett's field goal makes it a 10-point game with 10 and a half minutes to play in the game. And I know I saw some people on social media, on Twitter, saying, oh, you know, Hertz was late with the throw. I, I didn't see that. I thought it was fine. I thought he put it in a good spot, and Willis should have caught it. What did you think? No, yeah, I thought it's exactly yeah. how you draw it up. Yeah, I mean, I thought Hertz put the ball. He did his job, and it just hurts. He just wants, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Willis wants it back. Just It's too bad, and so Oklahoma gets at least you know a two-possession lead, a little bit of breathing room, and you see Baylor going to their third-string quarterback for the first time, Jacob Zeno. And then you see Kenneth Murray. Murray's back in the game. You think, okay, this is great. And what happens on the very first play? You bring a third-string quarterback in. What does Alex Grinch do? He sends Kenneth Murray on a blitz right through the B-gap, and Isaiah Thomas <laughs> gets a massive push as well along with Kenneth Murray, and Isaiah Thomas gets a sack. And apparently it's his second sack of the year. I don't remember the first one. But right off the bat, you're like, Zeno was in. Baylor's behind the change. It's second and 16. Oklahoma's defense is playing lights out. They've had one breakdown all game against a backup quarterback. Now a third-string quarterback's in. Like, this is great. Let's let's get a turnover here. Let's let's put this game away. Is that – I mean, how good were you feeling at this point, Grant? Second down and 16 with a third-string quarterback in? Oh, yeah. I mean, I was feeling – especially with how the defense was playing – I mean, deep in their own territory, deep in Baylor's own territory. 
I mean, come on. I mean, this is exactly what you want. Yeah, and then <sighs> the next, uh, of course, you know, the next play, everyone knows what happens. It's that 81-yarder to Treston Ebner. Man, the yep. thing, the, the thing that the all I could think about rewatching this was, man, and this this play, and also the you know the the next one, the the big long bomb to Chris Platt on the next drive, man, those are the only two plays in the entire game that Baylor had a clean pocket, the only two only two plays, hmm. and um, I I also noticed that the pass rushers in the game on both of those plays were Isaiah Thomas, Marque- Marquez Overton, and Dylan Famatau. Oh. And I just I, I, I it's, it's so catch. hard for me not to think what would have happened if it would have been Perkins, Gallimore, and Redmond. I don't mm. think those plays would have happened. I really don't. That's interesting take. Yeah. I, here's the thing. I, this is not as much as the last one, the the first touchdown, but I have no idea what Oklahoma's doing here defensively uh, in the secondary coverage wise and. It looks like some sort of cover two, which makes sense because Oklahoma's been playing a ton of it against Baylor in this game. But here's why I'm confused. It's because DTY at the snap, he moves down from his two deep safety spot. You know, him and Fields are the two deep safeties, the split safeties. He moves down to the to cover the flats. Like he's kind of like replacing Trey Brown at corner. And then you see Brown sink to the deep half like he's playing the deep safety. So it's almost like this coverage is like they're trying to disguise something and they're moving Turner yell down to play the corner responsibility in the cover two. And they're bringing Trey Brown back to play the deep half responsibility. I, I don't know. I, again, maybe they're trying to disguise it. Meanwhile, you see Kenneth Murray in the middle in the Tampa two. Okay. And it looks like his main job here is to spy the quarterback because he stays in, he's kind of watching Zeno, but usually, like we talked about earlier, the middle linebacker in cover two, you got to get super deep. You got to get deep. You got to get back there because the middle of the field is wide open in the two split safety look because there's a huge hole there. Murray doesn't get deep. It's it looks like again, like he's kind of spying the quarterback because he doesn't want to allow all those underneath rushing yards that the guy scrambles because you mentioned Grant, you call it. It's a clean pocket. And he doesn't get deep, and that creates a throwing lane. As Ebner goes behind Murray, Murray just kind of watches him go behind him. There's a throwing lane there for Zeno, and Trey Brown is kind of going back to play that split safety deep half responsibility. He sees the ball in the air. He breaks towards the ball, but the way Ebner's route is going as like a kind of across the field, like as more of like a an over route, like a deep Texas route almost, his momentum carries him too far. You got Ebner catching the ball, and with Brown basically running himself out of the play because of where the ball is going, there's nobody on that deep half anymore because Brown was the guy. And Ebner is fast, man. He's gone. And it's just – and it made it even worse because Oklahoma had just gotten a sack to make it second and 16. And all day, Oklahoma had been playing an aggressive press two-man type look, and they kind of back off there, a little bit of cushion, up 10 points, second down and long. You mentioned the, the def- defensive lineman on the field was not their starters – and they run some sort of a bizarre coverage that I've never really seen before. And Oklahoma gets burned. And just like that, in 30 seconds, it's 23 to 20. Just just so dumb. So dumb. They I think played the, so uh, well but had such huge busts at, at key times. The go route for the running back out of the backfield up the middle of the field is undefeated. That works every single time. Tristan Ebner against Texas Tech when Baylor – 
needed to go 99 yards, was uh, third down from their own one-yard line, trailing by a field goal against Tech late in the game. Tristan Ebner, Texas routes out of the backfield, got them into field goal range. So, I mean, Baylor loves doing that with him. He's a really good player. And I guess, like they said in the broadcast, he hasn't been fully healthy in a while. This is the first time he's been fully healthy, I guess. I think I caught that. So, and he's he's fast, man. So, boy. So, it's a three-point game. Oklahoma gets the football back. And, I mean, I thought they did a decent job of flipping the field, taking some time off the clock. But, you know, normally Oklahoma's offense, the last couple of years, you think, all right, that's fine. They have the ball. They have a lead. They can go down and, and make this a two-possession game, right? But that's not the way Oklahoma's offense is right now, especially against a really good defense. And Oklahoma ultimately has to punt the football. Fortunately, Reeves Munchau pins Baylor at its own 10-yard line. Okay, that's okay. But at the same time, Grant, like, you're not feeling too great about this, right? But at least the defense has played pretty well. And you could think, well, there was one fluky touchdown in the first half. They just gave up one fluky touchdown. Okay, like, They'll clean it up, right? And, like, this is Baylor's third-string quarterback. So, come on. I mean, like, that's the kind of – you talk yourself into that, right? But I think you were texting me, Grant, like, uh, Baylor's going to go down and score here, and they're going to win the game. You're you're pretty much full pessimistic mode at this point. Oh, yeah. Everything had gone against OU. <laughs> like, and, and, I mean, a lot of it was self-inflicted. But, no, yeah, I thought Baylor would have, like, a five-and-a-half-minute scoring drive, go up by four, and leave Jalen Hurts having to engineer – like a, a touchdown drive in a minute 45, and I'm thinking there's no way in hell that's happening. <laughs> so something happens, though. It looks like Baylor is continuing its momentum. And you mentioned this earlier in the show when we were talking about Parnell Motley briefly. They hit a play to Denzel Mims, and it's like a 15-ish yard gain, and they're out of the shadow of their own goal line. But there's a flag, an eligible man downfield. And you think, all right, a little bit of a break. You, just, you back up Baylor five yards, Half a distance, it's first down and 15 at their own five-yard line. Baylor calls a timeout. You see Matt Rule kind of yell on the sidelines, like, oh, man, they, you know, what, they, they're, this is tough. They got a third-string quarterback. You know, like, no way they're going to be able to figure this out. And Matt Rule and Baylor co-offensive coordinator Jeff Nixon make a great play call that uses Oklahoma's aggressiveness against them. They fake the bubble screen, and Chris Platt runs the wheel, and DTY, who made a great play earlier in the game, blowing up a bubble screen, TFL. You know, he'd been coming up in the alley and run support all day long. On this play, he does the same exact thing he's been doing all day, and he falls for the screen. Oklahoma, they showed two man on this play, but it was actually a single high look with man across the board. Delarian Turner yell, he was responsible on this play for Chris Platt. And when Platt looked like he was going to be blocking for the screen, and you saw, I think it was Ebner, putting his hands up to say, hey, give me the ball. DTY crashed. He went for Ebner, who was asking for that football. And that allowed Platt to just leak out and sprint out wide open with nobody on him. And old Zeno, the third-string quarterback, threw a strike. Pat Fields was late coming over, but that's a tough play either way as the, as the one safety responsible for the entire deep part of the field. At least he's able to slow him up a smidge because if not, I don't know if Trey Brown would have been able to make the play of the game, what ended up being the play of the game, who chases him down, makes the tackle. It goes for 78 yards, but Grant, there's not a touchdown scored on this play. Three explosive plays in the pass game for Baylor. Three big-time 
breakdowns and coverage where Oklahoma just did not do its job. And on those plays, this looked like that 129 pass defense that we haven't seen since 2018. But that's the negative side of it. The positive side, Grant, I'll let you talk. Trey Brown, hats off to you, man. It, I mean, he, he, may have, he probably saved the game. He probably saved the game, saved the season. Yeah, we don't see a lot of that uh, straight-line Trey Brown speed a lot these days, but we saw it there. I, honestly, I, I think you just kind of tip your cap to Baylor's coaching staff for that play call. Perfect. Perfection. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. Uh, of course, of course, you would like DTY not to make that play, but, I, I mean, geez, you sometimes. you got to be disciplined, and you got to do your job, man. But yeah, hopefully no, it's I a agree. lesson. Hopefully it's a lesson learned. Yeah, and so, uh, but yeah, then obviously a great, great job by Trey Brown to save that just because, and you have to, knowing in that situation, man, it's not a cinch that they're going to score. It's still a third string quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's exactly what happened. They went three plays and had to kick a field goal after that. Um, and then I, I think on that, on that third down play after, uh, after, after Trey Brown saved it, you mm-hmm. kind of started to see what Jacob Zeno looked like with a little bit of pressure on him, which was sure. awful. Sure. He looked terrible. <laughs> I gotta give credit to DTY though after that big play that Brown chased him down very next snap DTY comes up gets a TFL on Ebner and so he wasn't scarred by oh no like I gotta make sure I'm always deep in pass he was like you know what forget it I'm gonna come up I'm gonna read my keys he came up and, and run support and had a TFL and immediately put Baylor back behind the uh, back behind schedule so you know good call by that and yeah I mean uh, on third down and three it was third and three and you got to give credit to Ronnie Perkins because he immediately flashed, put pressure on Zeno. You see Kenneth Murray coming off the edge, and Oklahoma was playing man coverage. And again, DTY, got to give him credit. He comes up from his safety spot on his man, and it's against Chris Platt, and he doesn't try to do too much this time. He's on Platt. He has great coverage, and there's nowhere for, for Zeno to go with the ball. It's incomplete, and that Baylor kicker kicks that field goal with three and a half minutes to go in the game and honestly this is kind of where I stopped my rewatch so you might have to kind of help us through the rest of it uh the, the actually the next thing I have is uh where Oklahoma had a big play but Kennedy Brooks's run was called back because of holding but then OU uh they they respond on the next play and then it's a 31 yarder to CD Lamb uh and I think that was the that was the designed rollout for for Hertz and they've ran that play a few times this year where they've kind of made it up front look like sort of just like a sweep for Hertz but then there's CD running that back end motion across the field, and uh, it it was wide open. And so, man, what a play! I'm watching it right now. I got it pulled up. Man, what a great throw! Yeah, I mean that that was a great play by Jalen. That might have been his, his that's his second best throw of the day, I think, because he he throws that a little bit too far behind. Obviously, CD's not there. He throws it too far out in front. Uh, high leverage, first and twenty. That's big time throw by Hertz, I think. Yeah, agreed. And then, uh, but later on, on the same, on, in the same sequence, on third down, we see Hertz make a great play, evading pressure in the backfield, keeping the play alive in his eyes downfield, and he he delivers a pass where only C.D. Lamb can catch it, and it just goes through his bread basket at about the thirty-five yard line. OU absolutely would have been in business to set up for a game-winning field goal if C.D. would have would have caught that. Yeah, I'm watching it now, man. Yeah, I thought he caught it. Everyone thought he caught it, but yeah, he obviously didn't. They showed the replay. Uh, I mean, that's I a tough. What, catch, what else can you? What else you, can you say other than you, you hope that your star makes that play in that situation? Yeah. And he just didn't. Yeah, that's that's all. You, yeah, you're right. So bring up. You think? Oh, it's fourth. Was it fourth and three? 
I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I kind of thought they would go for it. Did you? Did you ever think they were going to go for it? No, and I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad okay. they didn't. You've you've already you've you've given Baylor's gotten so many breaks already. Just don't even put yourself in that situation. I don't think. Um, yeah. It was the right call, obviously. I mean, hindsight's twenty yeah. twenty, but it and was sure. The right call. And once we saw what Zeno looked like actually facing the the ones on the defensive line, it, it that was the obvious right call. There was no way they were even really gonna do much with an organic pass rush in overtime. So, old Reeves Munchau punts it down to the one yard line. Oklahoma downs it. That's great, and that essentially just it's, we're going to overtime unless Oklahoma. Uh, calls cover two and blows a big coverage and Baylor gives it a shot, which didn't obviously didn't. But no, happen, Baylor so. sat on it like they should have done. I mean, would have yeah. been that would have been coaching malpractice if they would have tried to score there. From, not you know from the one yard line with your third string quarterback. Um, and then what? So first uh, first possession of overtime, of course, because Baylor wins the toss and they they're going to elect to play defense. Very first play, they uh, the Sooners run that little hitch route with CD. And he's taken down by the face mask, and that's kind of the first break that OU gets in the game. Yeah, and I'm I'm watching it back right now. Oklahoma, uh, Baylor was playing pretty soft, and almost you'd think that maybe they'd want to throw the hitch out to the wide out. I think it was Basquin out wide because he had even more space to work with. But obviously, you give it to CD Lamb. He's CD no, Lamb. No, I want I, I want CD to touch it. Like I, going into overtime, I was like, I kind of want CD to touch it on every single play here. So yeah, big break. Gets the ball down to the eleven yard line, I believe. What do you got next? You're you're leading us through. You're leading. Oh us yeah, to the sure, end. yeah. So next next play is just uh, is is GT counter quarterback draw. Hurts uh, gains six yards. He stopped at about you know after about three or four yards, but he's able to drag I think Lynch and Terrell Bernard uh, for an extra couple yards. And then uh, the next play is just the Ramondre Stevenson up the middle. For a I'm touchdown. Watch it here. I want to see if it's just another one of their inside zone plays that worked a lot of the time on Saturday. I think it probably was. I actually think it was GT counter. No. Was it, it not? Was, uh, okay. It was actually more outside zone. Eh, no, that was inside zone. Yeah, they didn't I mean they didn't run GT counter giving to the running back once all day. Well that's because Drake, <laughs> Drake I mean, that, Stoops. Yeah, Stoops. Yeah, oh, no, Drake no. Stoops played oh, no, no, quite no. a bit. What? Oh no, no, that's stock sorry, that's stock Oh. I was going to say, I saw 12, Drake Stockner's 18. I, I thought I saw number 12 out there. Uh, so, yeah. So, touchdown, Stevenson. You're like, okay, great. But it's 30-23, and what's everyone thinking as Baylor takes over the ball? Everyone on Twitter, you, you texted me. What's, ba- what's going to happen on this? I mean, what's Baylor going to do if they score? Well, obviously, they're going to go for two, and they're going to have the best two-point conversion play of all time for Of it, all too. time. Of all time. And so, yeah, I was like, well, we all know that no matter what happens, this will be the final series of this game. Either Baylor is going to win or Oklahoma is going to win. They're not going to send this game into another overtime. So uh, keep going. So, I mean, this is obviously a fantastic series from Oklahoma. I have not rewatched this series yet. But, uh, Utter domination what do you, what do you in have? the trenches. Just, just complete domination in the trenches. Baylor didn't have a chance. Not at all. So I'm watching the first play. It looks like they're sending – they send broils on a nickel blitz. Gallimore is getting by. It's like they're running a some sort of a wheel route, maybe that has no chance on first down, and then second down. What happens on second down? Uh, another incomplete pass, and I think it was just pressure again. They couldn't, you know. N- there's no pocket. Zeno had to rush. Yeah, I think he threw it away. Actually, yeah, he threw it away because uh, 
it was either Redmond or Benito, I think, had had instant pressure on him. And I thought maybe it could have been a it could have actually been a uh, um, intentional grounding, but it didn't. No, happen. it was there was a, no, there was a receiver. He threw oh, the was there? Okay. Oh, he was playing two man. They're actually leaving a lot of players in the block too. Bears only got they only have two players out going out for passes. <laughs> oh yeah, so so just like kind of the the second play of the game, and yeah. then of course on third and ten, Nick Benito and Jalen Redmond could not have dominated those those reps any more than they could. Just left their guys in the freaking dust. Oh my gosh, yeah, what a play! And then the great cutaway shot to Jalen Hurts <laughs> on the sideline, like. No emotion at all. And so, hey, did you see the tweet I had? Yeah, when you, when you added the Ruffin McNeil thing there at the end. I hope uh, true OU fans thought that was pretty funny. That that got that reference. I know you did. I really was hoping that would blow up. I was really proud of that that editing job. Uh, that's a pretty course, uh, that's a pretty deep cut, man. I I don't know if a lot of people would really really get I mean, that it happened reference. in the Big Twelve, like a huge Big Twelve title game after a huge defensive play which is so random for Oklahoma last year against Texas I think hopefully a lot of you people that were watching the game on TV remember that but uh, some people on Twitter you guys got it but uh, didn't blow up as much as I hoped it would but uh, I digress yeah that was a great play and then you get fourth down and 20 and so here's I'll take you through my my thoughts on this fourth down and 20 play Grant at this point I'm, I'm getting super greedy I'm thinking oh okay you know what fourth down and 20 uh this line is nine uh, scoop and score sack fumble touchdown pick six here we go and I see the pressure I see him like gonna force this throw and I'm like oh my gosh who's gonna pick this off and take it back to the house and Caleb Kelly obviously dives for it and if that ball was thrown a little bit farther who's to say that Caleb Kelly picks it off and then wants to show off and go for a touchdown and Oklahoma not only wins but covers nah so he would have my... nah he would have gone down <laughs> probably unless he had a an, an easy an easy uh I guess what's the word? Uh, 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 what did you call it? I'm thinking cavalcade, but that's not the right word. A cavalry? A cavalry? A ca- calver- cavalry to the cavalry? end zone? Uh, it's blockers cavalry. out in front is what I'm trying to say. Whatever. A bunch so, of blockers yeah, was, is what you're trying to say. Pretty much. So, yeah, Oklahoma's defense dominates Baylor's overtime series. OU beats Baylor 30-23 in overtime. And I can't remember if I said it earlier in the pod at the very beginning. I think I did. And what was a needlessly stressful Big 12 championship game. Whew. That was fun, Man. right? I No, I hated that game. That game sucked. Hated, like, I'm so glad the defense played well uh, for outside of those four plays. But, man, I hated that game so much. So did I. So did I. It, it... This team just can't. I, I still, I still, I'm, I'm still going to say it. This team really has flashed a high ceiling this year. A really high ceiling. Man, they just cannot put it all together. And, uh, you know, the, the glass half full guy in me says, you know, maybe after three weeks off and, you know, three weeks of good practice, maybe they'll finally be able to put it all together against LSU. But after a certain point, this may just be who they are, Lee. Yeah, uh, I think I tweeted this out a bit, but all the positive feelings I had coming into this game when I was talking about, you know, in the what will happen, I said, listen, the last time I felt this good about Oklahoma, the Sooners immediately went out and lost to K-State. Uh, those feelings were obviously misplaced. Uh, Oklahoma was fortunate to get out of there with a win. Jalen Hurts is, is against a good defense is still a problem. He, he played a clean, nice game against uh, an average Oklahoma State defense, and he's going to face everything. I mean, th- 
good stuff in the playoffs. So, yeah, it's you're right. This is kind of it is what it is. That's why this is a successful season. You've reached the playoff the way things have gone. We'll take it. And for the first time in the last two years, I'm not going to – I probably will not be going into that game thinking that Oklahoma has a, a real – like in my heart of hearts, a chance to win the game. I, I thought because of Murray last year, and I thought because, and obviously the offense and Riley, and obviously because of Mayfield and that offense in 2017, I thought Oklahoma had, especially in 17, I thought Oklahoma was going to win. In 2018, on this podcast, we both predicted Oklahoma would lose the game. No, I predicted uh, they would win, but I just, I was just oh, throwing something okay, against the wall. Yeah. I mean, I saw, so I, I mean, I predicted they would, they would lose the game, uh, but I did, did think there was a shot because of Kyler Murray. Uh, this time it's it's going to be it's going to be difficult, but we'll we'll talk about that. We have plenty of time to talk about that. Uh, let's do some three word reviews. If you've waited this long in the pod, that means that you probably really enjoy the chronological, super in depth breakdown. My God, I know this is a long podcast, but I'll, I'll be honest with you, that was fun. I enjoyed going through every like all the plays like that. That was a good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I hope. Yeah, I hope every all the listeners kind of like that too. Five in a row is. I mean. Look at all the stuff that went wrong for OU in that game, and just and now just and now think about five years in a row they've been able to win the Big Twelve championship. Yeah, that's that that's a heck of an accomplishment, man. It really is. All right, three word reviews. I'll start on Twitter. Go ahead and bring it up uh, if you will on either Facebook or Twitter, whatever you like. Grant, we'll go with our cousin James. Survive in advance. QB pressure. Good. And then uh, he had a couple other ones that uh, let's go LSU. Obviously, LSU took care of business. And then uh, we know James is a Kansas State guy. And so he says, K-State for Alamo. Okay. So Oklahoma survives the K-State loss. And uh, good one from Chase at Rooster Wi-Fi. Brown saves season. That is a very good one. Uh, our friend or your friend uh, that's our friend elliot he's always you know elliot must be a degenerate gambler grant oh yeah he's totally into uh to throwing some uh some cheddar down these days <laughs> very very th- this is this is a habit we absolutely support here at west of everest <laughs> but hey play responsibly uh, and we know elliot he i think he can handle it uh he says didn't cover nine yeah i know i was right there with you elliot and uh i was wrong too um Oki JB has just win, baby. Let's see. Skip always provides a lot of good ones. At Carter underscore Skip. Off is liability, so offense is liability with a question mark. Hurts hand hurt, question mark. And Skip, I did see your message. I kind of skimmed your message. I'll read it later. Uh, So Skip has a theory that Hurts' hand is injured. I haven't thought of this at all. Have you thought of this at all, Grant? I mean, he did. He what? He injured it against uh, against Texas, didn't he? Oh, so. that's right. Yeah, and he's had like a rap on it every once in a while, like earlier in the year. So that, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't, maybe, maybe. And his For- throwing has not been. Yeah. Baylor is good. That's more of skips, and that's definitely true. That uh, also that defense is is darn good, man. That's such a good defense. I I will say I you know what you were right. I've adjusted i think certainly this baylor defense is is definitely a top 10 defense in college football and uh you were ahead of it uh, I, I needed a little bit more convincing but i have seen enough now to admit that you were right and uh baylor is very good and I'm, i mean there's there's no way that there there's three or four better defensive lines than that one in the country that it's defensive just, line just makes it all go they man make it that's all go. that's a that's a that, that's as good of a defensive line that we've seen in the big 12 this decade 
It's just very good. One more from Skip. Stop the TOs. Stop the turnovers, please. Yes. Uh, Gonzo Strangelove. Gonzo Strangelove defense kicking game. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, with question marks. Yeah, I mean, Gabe Burkich has been. I mean, has he been the best kicker in college football? <laughs> yes. I, mean, I don't know, but I. What is he? Seventeen. Did you see for Rodrigo Blankenship. Now? Did you see Rodrigo Blankenship on Saturday? Where I was did. that? The Rose Bowl. I did. Goodness. Yeah, he hasn't. I think on the broadcast, I think they said he's the only kicker that hasn't missed this year. Yeah, and yeah, so, of course, right when McDonough said that, he just put one right, right down the middle. He's he's like oh, yeah. he's he's immune of the of the jinx as well. Yeah, as you know, as you get older, the whole jinx thing is dumb. There's no stupid jinxes. Um, BBK Alex Grinch MVP. Yeah, Alex Grinch is uh, doing the deed, man. Uh, Brown Rundown. That's a really good one by at I am Emrick. That's a really, really good, good one. one. Yeah, yeah. That's that's maybe my favorite one. Uh, Grant, you seen any on Facebook or Twitter that you like? Yeah, sure. Here we go. Johnny Brown says, "Where's our offense?" Well. This is just a very, very different offensive team this year, and Baylor's defense is, is pretty awesome. So, uh, Justin says, heart problems return. Oh, yeah. Definitely feeling you on that one. <laughs> uh, first down TFLs. Big time. Big time. I think OU had 16 tackles for loss in that game. That sounds right, yeah. Are you on Twitter or Facebook? I'm on Facebook. Okay, great. Justin also says, best Motley game. I will disagree with you there. His best game still remains 2017 Ohio State. <laughs> but... He was very good. He he shut down his entire side of the field uh, whenever he had to. Let's see what else we got here. Um, Ned says defense is back, hopefully. CD's the man. Yes, he is. Fifth consecutive <laughs> championship, and Ned has a man crush on Grinch. Don't we all? <laughs> Barry, uh, continuing with the, uh, with the theme of uh, heart problems, he says Cardi out, or cardiac workout activated. <laughs> Travis says solid overall performance, being very literal there. Uh, I mean, yeah, if you if you take away the those four plays, it was it was a really good performance. Again, five Man, golden those, rings, says Scotty. Those four plays though just make me so mad. I'm sorry, they were, oh, they're so. Pre- I know Alex Grinch took blame for him after the game, as he is wont to do. Oh man, I would just I would love to be in the film room after that going over that and just to hear his thoughts, like obviously his actual thoughts and like what he says to the guys. And I would just live for that stuff, man. I just I love the breakdown. And you guys know this stuff. That's that's why I love football. Sorry. Go ahead. Mark says Baylor's Christmas Grinched. Ooh. Some play on words there. There we go. We like that. Uh Trace really uh Trace says adding more hardware. Lee Shane Shane says, "Oh, he he predicted this on the podcast. He says, return Radley Hiles's nickname. <laughs> yeah, well, when, it he, is. when he was in there, he he was having a good game. When he was in there, yes, yes, he was, he was. And yeah, um, hopefully he'll be okay, and he'll be available, obviously for LSU. And then uh, uh, Jer Crystal says, this was this is one actually we haven't brought up yet. He says, or he or she, I'm oh, sorry, yeah, I don't know, yeah, 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 says, how is Kennedy? That's right. Not sure. That definitely Great looked like job, a concussion situation. Because, yeah, he did leave the game. And I forgot to put that in my notes and leaving the game. And obviously, Ramondre closed it off with the, the final. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's. I don't know. And honestly, I did not watch any of the post game. Uh, I did not. I was more into watching the game back. So if that was mentioned in the post game at all, I missed it. No, uh, I, no updates on it that I've seen so far anywhere. 
Okay. By the way, I mean, I was not at the game. I had to stay back in Oklahoma City at News 9 to anchor the shows on Saturday. That's usually my job this time of the year. So, um, and I don't think I'll be able to go to the playoff again, which is really annoying. I, have to be th- I mean, it's, it's my job. You know, I can't complain. Like, I have to do what I do. But, uh, you know, maybe one of these years I'll, I'll get uh, thrust into a chance to actually go to a playoff game. But uh, my role at News 9 is to be back and anchoring during this time. Anyways, that's a sidebar. Any other Facebook three-word reviews that you want to go through? I can, I'll finish it off on Twitter if not. No, that, that was it for Facebook. All right. Jack on Twitter, at Jack, R-D-I-A-R, at Jack Darlington. I'm with you on this one, Jack. Explosive plays suck. Yeah. Yeah, you tell me. Uh, Josh Adams on Twitter. Josh is the guy that uh, I met at Best Buy last week. So Josh says, big game defense. And by the way, if you're still listening, Josh, again, I don't. That was great. Thanks for saying something. I just, I did not anticipate getting recognized for West of Everest. That just never happened before. Um, More from Twitter. Angel Hare says, great coaching matters. And I mean, it's just, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, in, in one season, Alex Grinch has turned Oklahoma's defense statistically into the best defense in the Big 12. Now, Granted, Baylor, you look at other metrics, Baylor had the best defense in the Big 12 this year, and, and no one's going to really argue that. But total defense-wise, Oklahoma was number one, and Oklahoma's defense improved after the Baylor game because they only allowed 4.7 yards per play, I believe. And, uh, I mean, take away – I mean, you, you can't take them away because they're big plays, but, my gosh, take away those explosive plays. And how many yards per play did Baylor average? Less than two? I mean, geez. Yeah, it was. It was like 1.8. Man. Uh, Warren Beck, more love for Trey Brown. He says, TB, save season. Uh, Mason Smith with a little bit of pessimism, and this is a fair point. Third string quarterback, and going into a game against Joe Burrow, the Heisman Trophy winner, he's gonna, it's going to happen. Let's be real. I mean, Baylor's offense right now, even with Charlie, Charlie Brewer, is, is pretty bad. It's not good. And there was some red flags. There was some openings that, better quarterback play I think would have easily exploited so that is a gigantic concern going up against the best passing offense in college football uh three weeks from from now so I mean we'll have time to talk about it but uh let's not all think that all of a sudden Oklahoma's pass defense is some elite unit because they did it against some some bad quarterback play they did it against Drew Brown in Bedlam uh um, let's see. Kansas State's no, quarterback is more of a runner than a thrower. Let's be honest about it. OU has faced two formidable passing attacks this season. Texas and Iowa State, they were outstanding in one of those games and not so much in the other. And I'd say and it's obvious that Iowa State's way more formidable throwing the ball than Texas. So, yeah. I would not say way more formidable. Texas definitely has one of the best passing games in the country. Uh, no, the way that not the season has not played out that way, man. I mean, they were. I disagree. It was it was embarrassing against Baylor. I mean, even Oklahoma was able to figure some things out passing the ball against Baylor. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't first, more the first time. We don't we don't need to go too in depth on you know on that. It's just uh, I do think if if OU is is wanting to win a game in this college football playoff, I think LSU is the team that they match up the best with. That doesn't mean they're going to win the game at all. In fact, I think they have about the same percentage of chance of winning this game as they did last year. Probably like 10%, a 10% chance of winning. Um, but the, the one thing, I, my one thought early about this game until I start to really dig into the, to the tape, Lee, 
I think mm-hmm. OU going into this game might have an advantage in the trenches. And that's the one thing that I'll say uh, until I until we get there. Now, LSU has the biggest advantage in the game, which is one of the better passing games we've seen in college football history. But I don't know. An opening may be there if OU can play exceptionally well. That's all I'm saying. Let's wrap up three-word reviews quickly. My last three, Brian Widget, Trey Hustle Brown, more Trey Brown love. Uh, at P23570 is always good for a three-word review. I, I, I don't know how to – there's no name there, but this is interesting. He's got a GIF. Uh, it looks like it might be – oh, it's okay, it's Obama. It's President Obama. It says four more years, four more – so the three-word review is four more years. Like four more Big Twelve titles, or yeah, I four think so. more years of Alex Grinch. I, I gotta I, think it's more. It's more Big Twelve. Yeah, more Big Twelve titles. I would guess it could be a lot. I mean, I think this is like, what the fourth time Oklahoma's gone to the playoff. Four more. Four playoff. Uh, so, and then the last one is from at I am Emmerich. Schooner is back. The old Schooner. I, I noticed that at the start of the game. It's back. There's people that are into that stuff. Great. It's uh, it's a thing now. So, hey, maybe that's a good omen moving forward. The Sooner is no longer tipped over. It's back. Maybe that will mean Oklahoma's winning the national championship. Is it a good omen that the Sooners will be going against the Heisman Trophy winner and not have the Heisman Trophy winner? Yeah. I, was gonna, I mean, yeah, no, I was but, to, I know. but it, it's, it's always fun to maybe find those narratives. Yeah, man. Hey, for the third straight year, Oklahoma's going to play a college football playoff game with the Heisman Trophy in the game. And also uh, the yeah. second straight year where a college football uh, semifinal Will uh, feature the two, uh, the number one and number two offenses in college football. Well, that's interesting. All right, you've already given some thoughts on the LSU thing. I don't have a lot. I I get where you're coming from. I think your arguments are fine. I just don't know enough about LSU. I, you know, I've watched a good amount of them. I was incredibly confident they would roll over Georgia. Uh, I thought it was pretty insane. Everyone that was jumping on Georgia plus the points because this it's just, here's the principle that I I subscribe to. I mean. Georgia hadn't seen any good offenses for the most part this year. LSU's offense is awesome. And I know that LSU had already seen a pretty good defense in Auburn's. And, yeah, I know that Auburn was hold, held in the field goals. But, you know, they already saw that. And uh, Georgia doesn't get pressure, really, with their front four. And Joe Burrow is so good at extending plays. And uh, so and with only one week to prepare, as opposed to a month like Georgia had to prepare for Oklahoma a couple of years ago, I thought, yeah, I, I just don't see this defense giving them much much uh um resistance uh i will say i thought georgia would be able to score a little bit more but at the same time i mean georgia's offense isn't very good so they were absurdly uh, injured too oh yeah yeah that yeah good point yeah Uh, that's another thing yeah i think georgia was missing some guys on defense as well their top three receivers were out just gone i mean that's and also deandre swift had a bum shoulder he didn't really play a lot from what i saw um, so everyone, I, I would totally understand. I think I might have texted this to you. Or there I were dudes running wide open uh, in LSU secondary all that entire first half. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, the first series of the game, Georgia should have had a, a big explosive play. Could have been a touchdown. Granted, it evened out later when LSU, one of their big receivers, dropped a touchdown pass where he burned a Georgia safety. Uh, I can't remember if it was Jefferson or Chase, one of those two guys, I think. Here's where I'll, here's where I'll say, and I, I've, I've made kind of these points to you two, but... Here's why I, I, I prefer to play LSU over the other two monsters is LSU, their one weakness, if you want to try to find one on offense, and actually I would say maybe multiple weaknesses, is one, they're not outstanding protecting Joe Burrow. He's been sacked 28 times this year. 
And also, they have kind of an inefficient run game. And also, they do not incorporate a lot of pre-snap movement or motion or anything like that. They are very content with sitting back in the pocket and trying to pick you apart in the pass game. And the one team that has tried to do that to OU this season got sacked nine times. Those are some strong points. The last one I think is the most important because how important is pre-snap motion, uh, showing the defense eye candy in Oklahoma's offense over the years and, and confusing the defense. And yeah, if you're right, like I wasn't really paying attention to this much. You talk, texted me this Saturday and as I watched more of the SEC title game, you're, I mean, I don't remember seeing any motion. It's just when they, when LSU lines up, that's the formation. And so it's kind of easy for the defense to line up what they want to do. And granted, that probably it's an idea that it shows Burrow like oh here's what the defense looks like here's what they're going to run but I'm surprised they don't run a whole lot of motion to show maybe give away if they're playing man give you know but yeah it, whatever it still works for LSU and they've been able to dominate everybody yeah my so my yeah. first thoughts on this game Lee is that OU is really going to try to come in thinking that we got to get pressure organically with with three or four guys we just have to and then I think we're going to see a whole lot of that Iowa State and now Baylor drop three safeties. We're going to see a whole lot of that, I think. And they're going to they're going to force LSU to score touchdowns and not field goals. That's what it's going to be. <sighs> okay, well, this is uh we're going on about an hour 45. I think that'll do it. We'll have only 3 weeks between the conference championship and the first playoff game. This is the this is this has got to be like the shortest turnaround, right? I mean, yeah, this is from what I crazy. remember, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is basically similar to the FCS playoffs. They play the semifinals, and then there's three weeks between the semifinals and the title game. So I don't know if that's going to matter, How who's going to benefit that. I, my thing is always, I think, longer times to prepare helps the defenses, and I would have loved two years ago when Oklahoma was going to play Georgia, I would have loved it if Georgia only had three weeks to get ready for Oklahoma's offense as opposed to five. I think that would have definitely helped Oklahoma. Uh, it, well, Oklahoma geez, came out Lee, on fire. When Georgia ha- had success in the Rose Bowl on defense, it's when they scrapped their game plan and just went single high man. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah, let's let's force these guys, force these guys to beat us uh, with big boy throws, and yeah, and Oklahoma kind of went. Oh, you didn't really try. So here's the plan for this upcoming week. I uh, let's see. I'll be going to the Heisman Trophy ceremony in New York City this week. Unless for some reason Jalen Hurts is not invited, even though he didn't, he's not played as great the last month as he had. You know, obviously the first six, seven, eight games. What do you think, Grant? You think Hurts is still going to get an invite? Yeah, he absolutely okay. should. He's got. Yeah, I think he will too. He's got like fifty-two touchdowns and nearly five thousand yards of total offense this year. That's absurd. So yeah, I think Hurts will be invited, and so I'll be going to New York with Dean Blevins. First time I've ever covered a Heisman, so that'll be interesting. Because of that, uh, and because this podcast is so darn long and we've given you guys a lot of stuff, we're just going to uh, take the rest of the week off. No more podcasts. I'm not sure when the next one will be. Just stay tuned to the West of Everest Facebook page, and then maybe I'll uh, put some things on Twitter, too, if if uh, if, I, if it comes to that. But I uh, just want to let you know that. And uh, all right, yeah, Grant, any, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Not really, other than um, it's a, I think aesthetically this may be the best playoff field we've had. Um, I, I just think that Ohio State Clemson semifinal game is a monster. That's one of the best college football games that we've had in a really long time. 
I'm so excited to watch that game. Ooh. Before we go here, and again, I always like to say this when we're going this long. If you're still listening to us at this point, we know we appreciate that, and you just like to hear what we have to say. Uh, I remember you talking last year around this time about Dwayne Haskins, and I remember seeing a lot of stuff on Facebook and social media. Remember how Ohio State fans were, I mean, some of them were surprised that Dwayne Haskins wasn't going to win the Heisman and like wasn't even close to winning it. And you had a theory of why that was, right? Because of Ohio State's history with quarterbacks. Do you remember that? Yeah, he obliterated every single Ohio State passing record, and they weren't they weren't accustomed to that. And so they just they thought, wow, if he's doing that at Ohio State, there's just no way anyone else could be doing better than that. Right, right. And so there was people that were really that really thought Dwayne Haskins going into that was like going to win or I got a chance. And it was like obviously it was going to be either Kyler or Tua. Like there was no. Like, obviously, like, there was no doubt it was going to be one of those two. So, like, imagine being that mindset where uh, you actually thought Dwayne Haskins had a shot to win it. And don't get me wrong, he had a fantastic season. He just picked a really bad year to have a great season because Tua and Kyler were even better. Fast forward to this year, how many Ohio State fans out there you think came into the Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning when that selection show came up and saw Ohio State get the two seed and were like, what? Two? What are you talking? Like, can you imagine going into that thing that Ohio State was still going to be the one? <laughs> oh, really? I thought I thought OU got a huge break with that. Ohio State should be one. <laughs> they should. Like I, they've been. Oh no, absolutely not. I, no way. I just Ohio the State is committee I, is, is going to win the national us, championship. Ohio State. The committee so has good. been telling us that this is what happens whenever you don't take care of business. I mean, they jumped Ohio State by beating a Penn State team like three weeks ago, not even covering. Beating a Penn State team the same day LSU boat raced like Ole Miss or Arkansas, like, like Arkansas, thirty or forty, and dropped LSU. And so, of course, on a day where LSU just absolutely destroys the number four ranked team by twenty seven points, and Ohio State is losing at halftime to Wisconsin, has to come back and win. That no chance they were getting the number one seat after that. I mean, the the committee had established the lot the the logic behind it. Uh, so I think LSU is more deserving of the number one seed. Uh, I, just oh, think I disagree with that. I thought I thought Ohio State was more deserving, but I you wow. know okay. you're splitting ha- like it's, I'm not shocked that LSU got it. Every, I mean everyone was saying it was going to happen. I'm just you know uh, Ohio State has more top twenty five wins than LSU does. The schedules are similar uh, in terms of strength of schedule, and LSU has absolutely shown some warts this season. Ohio State is one of the most complete teams we've seen in a really long time. I'll be interested to watch more tape on Ohio State as I do more research on the playoff. That Wisconsin team, that Wisconsin team is no freaking joke. And I mean, Ohio State destroyed them a month ago, and that second half was downright not competitive. So you know, I that w- that's a really good Wisconsin team, and I don't know. Perhaps I'm I'm just I'm I'm really just shattered and broken up by that Penn State game because I'm just so mad they didn't they didn't cover that game and they kind of looked like uh, I don't know they just gave up some really stupid things in that game and yeah I'm just know, they, I'm, they, they 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 dominated Michigan like they should have and so I'm just uh, I am yeah. I am ecstatic that OU is not playing Ohio State. What uh, just a disaster of a matchup for Oklahoma and that. So I mean, oh, you got a huge break with LSU being number one. And that's the thing. We'll see. I don't know if that that's if I agree with that yet, but 
I'll watch the tape and I'll get back to you because um, Ohio State can can easily attack everything that OU does not do well on defense, and they can attack it with like hmm. elite players. I that I don't I don't know if OU would ever get a freaking stop against Ohio State. Just an awful, <laughs> awful matchup. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that was my final thought of the day. So um, appreciate you all sticking around for this uh, extended post Big Twelve Championship podcast. Stay tuned to figure out the next time we will be back. Again, I'll be at the Heisman, so that's that's kind of a big reason why we're not going to do one this week because I got a lot of stuff to plan for and stuff. But uh, until next time, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest. <laughs>